<laughs> well, I'm really excited to get to talk to you guys today. So we're going to have a great conversation. And when Bob asked me to speak about four or five weeks ago, I knew exactly what I was going to talk on, and God downloaded the whole message, like, boom, right there. And so I, I knew it was going to be on worship. And imagine that, the worship pastor is going to speak on worship, right? So um, I want to uh, start and just uh, ask the Holy Spirit to have his way in here today. So if you bow your heads with me. Holy Spirit, I pray, um, first of all, I thank you that you're here and that you move among us and that you're living and breathing and active in our lives. And I pray that you would speak to the hearts of each person here what you want them to hear and not necessarily what I'm saying. <clears throat> and uh, we just uh, pray for your freedom and uh, open hearts and open minds today. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So one of the things that people think about worship a lot of times is that, hey, it's something we do for 20 minutes on Sunday morning or Saturday night, depending on whatever service you go to. And my challenge to you is that worship is not a 20-minute experience on Sunday morning. Worship is every day, 24-7, the way we live our lives. Our text today comes from Colossians 3.17. It says, And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So word could be our spoken word, our song, um, you know, conversations with people. Deed is everything we do with our bodies physically, whether that's work, whether that's helping a neighbor out, whatever that is. That's your spiritual worship. It doesn't just stop when you leave the church. It's, it's, it's ongoing constantly. It's the way you live your life. Worship is how I treat my wife. It's how I treat my son. It's how I treat the worship team members and the people I work with. And it's the way I treat my clients. It's the way I treat people that maybe I don't like so much, but I still have to love them, right? That's worship. Because it's, it's, it's furthering the heart of God towards those people. And who knows, if it's somebody that I might have a rub with, and I'm speaking lovingly to them, and I'm building them up, I'm worshiping God by doing that, because I'm helping them hopefully draw closer to God. So again, we tend to compartmentalize worship in our lives, and my challenge to you today is to stop compartmentalizing worship. Make it a part of your daily routine. Um, David Crowder is one of my favorite worship musicians, and he's, he's been around for probably 20, 20 plus years now. But he wrote a book, a devotional book, called um, Praise Habit, Finding God in Sunsets and Sushi. Uh, I like sushi. Who's with me? Anybody like sushi? All right. So sushi's great. Some of you guys that don't like it, eh, kind of weird, but anyhow. It's the, the fact of the matter that you can find God in anything. You can find God in, in really enjoying good food. You can find God in really enjoying awesome sunsets and, and sunrises if you're a morning person like I am. Um, you know, driving home from, uh, on 470 heading west when it's dusk is one of the most breath-inspiring, awe-inspiring things that I ever see. And I always thank God. I say, God, you painted that sky just for me today. That's awesome. He's the artist, right? There is no better artist than the Lord. He created the earth, everything in it, the universe, the stars, the skies. So just appreciation for, for the beauty, the mountains that we get to see here, uh, and the sunsets and the sunrises, that's worship. As long as we remember that, hey, God, you did that for me today. You put that there for me to enjoy. That's worship. It's a lifestyle. So with David Crowder's book, Praise Habit, uh, Praise Habit is kind of a double entendre. So it's the habit of praising God all the time, being in the action of praise, but he also talks about the fact that uh, what a nun wears is called her habit. And what she does every morning when she gets up, before she does anything else, is she puts on her habit, the big black dress or whatever you call it, and the robe and the hat. That's her habit. And so it's putting on the garment of praise. It's putting on your praise habit. 
Uh, and so that was really cool for me. It was a paradigm that I hadn't thought about. And I just thought, oh, habit, that's another word. But, but no, he, he kind of dissects it and says, it's putting on your praise habit. And that's the book's encouragement to us is to put on our praise habit every morning. You go to sleep, you're off the hook. You're not worshiping, you're not praising, you're sleeping, right? As soon as you wake up, your feet hit the ground, boom, you start worshiping the Lord in what you do, the way you handle yourself, the way you, maybe you get up in the morning and you spend 20 minutes um, you know, listening to some worship quietly so you don't wake up your wife and son. Um, but that's, that's worship. That's how it starts and that sets the tone for my day. And I encourage you guys, to, if you're not already doing that, to start your day that way. There's a lot of different ways to worship. Um, we talk about, you know, we're, we're a hand-raising church here, right? So you see us raising our hands during worship and that kind of stuff. There are a lot of different reasons that people raise their hands. Um, one, uh, you ever see like um, kids playing cowboys and Indians and they, the kid goes like this, right? And what does the other person do? Like this, right? So what does that mean? It's surrender. I'm surrendering. So one of the reasons we raise our hands is we're surrendering to God. We're saying, God, have your way with me. Let me step out of the way. I'm surrendering my heart and my life and all my concerns, my worries to you. That's one of the reasons we raise our hands. The other reason is that you ever hear somebody refer to God the Father as Abba, Papa, Daddy? Well, what do little kids do when they come to see their daddy or their mommy? First thing they do, boom, put their hands up. Pick me up, Dad. I love you. Pick me up. I trust you with everything I have. You're my provider. You give me food. You give me shelter. It's the same way with us. When we raise our hands, we're saying to God the Father, Daddy, I trust you. You're my provider. I love you. And so I want to encourage you, if it's something that you're not used to doing, to step out a little bit and, and try it. It's freeing. And a lot of times you look at, well, what's my family going to think? Or what, what's the person next to me going to think? Or the person behind me? Be a leader and be an example for that person. And step out and raise your hands. See if it doesn't connect you further to God. And you'll also see people around you doing it too because you feel more free. Now, there's a lot of ways to raise your hands. And... Um, you know, you can put your hands down here and some people consider that that's, that's the raising their hands and that's fine. And there's no right or wrong way. You can raise one hand, you can raise two hands, whatever. But uh, I brought in a coach today to teach us about praising and uh, raising our hands. So we're going to watch a short video. And I know that each church has its own worship style, you know, which is cool. Some people are more expressive in worship, some people more subtle, and it's all good. Um, I go to a church that's pretty expressive in worship. It's... Um, it's a hand-raising church. That's what it is, right? That's what, you know. Anybody here go to a hand-raising church? Am I here? Sweet. Who here does not go to a hand-raising church? <laughs> Some of you are trying. You're like, I can't. I want to. I need to get some momentum. Totally cool. But hey, if you're not used to going to a hand-raising church, you want to go and join us. Feel free to join us, but don't feel like you've got to join right in, okay? Start slow. we got a lot of different hand raises that we use. We actually have names for our hand raises. So I'm going to walk you through real quick, okay, what they are, just to let you know. Say you're at my church, music is rocking. Start slow. Hands in the pockets, a little elbow flap. You're fine. Very subtle. Get warmed up. Get your heart rate up. When you're warmed up, start with the first one. Ready? Carry the TV. Carry the TV. That's our first one. Very subtle. Go to big screen. Big screen, a little wider. Next one's my fish was this big. My fish was this big. If you're a liar, you can go out there. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Jesus loves you. Grace. 
Next one's Hold My Baby. Hold My Baby. Got Dueling Light Bulbs. That's our next one, Dueling Light Bulbs. We got Goalpost. Everybody knows Goalpost. Throwing a heartburn. A lot of people like to do heartburn. Double heartburn, right back to Goalpost. What's my favorite? Mufasa. Mufasa, that's my favorite. The circle of life. Tim, can you go higher? Yes, you can. You can take one hand, go a bunch of different stuff. Pointer, hatchet, schoolroom. Release the doves, give the Lord a high five. Press it out. A lot of women like to wash the window. Wash the window. And when you're comfortable there, go for the big three. Village people, Rocky, touchdown. There you go, there's your big three. So, so I love Tim Hawkins, he's hilarious. If you ever see him, get a chance to see him live, you gotta see him live. And one of the things that's really cool about him is he's, he's hilarious, but he's also pretty deep too. He usually takes some time during his concerts where he'll talk deeply about some of the things that are, that are oppressing society or oppressing him emotionally. He's a great guy. But uh, so obviously it's tongue in cheek, but there is no right or wrong way to raise your hands. It's, it's something you do to get involved to worship the Lord, right? It's an expression of your, it's a physical expression of your heart to the Lord. And when we're worshiping, a lot of times you'll see me up here with my eyes closed because it's, it's between me and God. It's not performance for you guys. It's between me and God. And that's what it's got to be for you guys too. It's not about, oh, I sing horrible or whatever and, and I don't want the person next to, next to me to cringe and all that kind of stuff. It's your joyful noise to the Lord. Sing loud, raise your hands, okay? Um, there are, um, Bible tells us to worship in many different forms. Uh, so Psalm 98, four through six says, worship us, with uh, worship with musical instruments and singing. And it kind of outlines all the different instruments, the lyre, the harp, the cymbals. Uh, we're supposed to worship with music and with instruments. There's a, there's a church, uh, I think it's the Church of Christ, and they don't believe in worshiping with music. It's all a cappella, And that's fine for them, but I don't see how you can argue with what that says. Uh, we're supposed to offer up praise and worship with shouts of joy and clapping of hands. So we had some of that this morning, and that's, that's worship. That's a lot of fun, right? You go to a Broncos game, you're not worshiping the Broncos, but you shout from the top of your lungs, you raise your fist and you're, come on, you guys, go, that kind of stuff. And she laughs at me because I do it at home in front of the TV. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we get excited about the Broncos, but why not get excited about the Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ? Why not get excited when we're together in a group and, you know, there's 72,000 screaming fans at Mile High Stadium why don't we have you know, 200 people here getting excited about the Lord Jesus Christ, shouting, clapping, raising our hands? That's what it's all about. That's worship. That's life. Uh, we're supposed to worship in the assembly like this and by ourselves. So again, a lot of people say that it's 20 minutes here on Sunday morning or Saturday night and that's, all I, that's my worship. I got my worship fix in. I'm good for the week. That's not right. We're supposed to worship every day. Our life is supposed to be a continue, uh, continuation of worship throughout our lives. And it's not even supposed to be an option. Worship is supposed to be a part of your life. We're commanded to worship the Lord. We're commanded to worship the Lord, not for the Lord, but for us, because it reminds us of who he is and what he's done for us and the connectedness we, with, we, we have with our fellow believers in our body. So, you know, it's, I'm going to probably get on some people here, but if you, if, you, if you come 20 minutes late thinking, oh, I'll just wait till the worship's over and just hear the sermon, you're missing out. You're really missing out. So let me encourage you to, to, to take the extra time to get up 
five minutes early or ten minutes early, whatever it takes for you to get here early so you can be here on time to experience worship together. Um, First Chronicles says, Sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. Ascribe to the Lord all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Let the heavens rejoice. Let earth be glad. Let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. So I want everybody to stand up for a second. I'm going to take a deep, take a deep breath. Put your arms over your heads. Just take a deep breath, okay? When I count to three, we're going to say the Lord reigns, all right? One, two, three. The Lord reigns. Amen. Amen. That's corporate worship, right? That's awesome. You can be seated. Thank you for indulging me on that. We're commanded to do that together. And it, it feels awesome when we just lift up one voice, right? That's awesome. Uh, Romans 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So again, we're offering our bodies to God, whether that's kneeling on the ground or lying prostrate or raising our hands or, again, doing our, our daily day-to-day jobs, um, manual labor, helping somebody move. That's all worship. It's our spiritual, spiritual act of worship, and we're called and commanded to do that. It's not an option. So um, one of my favorite verses, this is a paraphrase, says, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. And again, it's a David Crowder song. I love that song. But... Uh, <laughs> We talked about the fact a little bit, you might be embarrassed to lift your voice because maybe you don't think you sing so well. Uh, This point was driven home to me when I was in high school. So it was me, my buddy Bart, and my buddy Bob. Bart's like 6'4", Bob's like 6'2", and then there's me. (laughs) Vertically challenged, right? So uh, we always sat next to each other in church, and we sang together, and um, Bart had a good voice, and I had a decent voice, and Bob couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. It's one of those deals where you're standing next to somebody, and you're like... Really? So one day I got kind of frustrated and I said, God, let me hear what you hear. And honest to goodness, he sounded like an angel sitting next to me. And it was so cool because I heard what God heard. And the point is, it's his heart was right. Didn't matter if he couldn't sing, his heart was right. That's worship. So don't be embarrassed about the fact that you think you can't sing very well. Lift your voice. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Amen? Uh, to me, worship is a heart so consumed with God that you want every part of your life to point to him. Whatever you do, again, whether in word or deed, do it all to the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Worship is a place of restoration for the Lord to do in you what he can't do in other parts of your life. Worship is ascribing worthship to the Lord. It's telling him, God, you're worthy. You're worthy of all my praise. You're worthy of my sacrifice. There's a lot of times when... Uh, I'm stressed out because of work. I'm a 100% commissioned salesperson. And so there's a lot of times when I'm like, a lot of stress. And when I worship, that all goes away because the Lord can minister to me. And he reminds me that he is my provider. He is my strength. He is my support. And that comes through worship. So if you have a stressful job or if you have stress in your life in any other manner or family, whatever situation you're in, take that to the Lord in worship and praise. Lift up his name. 
that stuff all fail, uh, fades to the side when you are focused on the one creator that loves you and is your provider. Um, there are many different positions and forms we can worship in. Uh, Acts 2, 1 through 2 uh, talks about sitting in worship. Uh, when the Holy Spirit came in, they were all sitting in the room. So you can sit. You guys are worshiping right now, whether you knew it or not. You're worshiping. You're listening to the word of the Lord being spoken. You're all together in communion, and you're all here to, uh, to, to learn about Jesus and to, to worship him together. Um, Psalm 95, 6 talks about kneeling. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Standing, this is worship. I'm, I'm worshiping right now by speaking with you guys and standing. When we stand up on the platform and we, we do worship together, we're all standing. That's a form of worship. Lying prostrate or bowing down. Um, when all the people, this is uh, 1 Kings 18, 39. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Nehemiah 8, 6 says, Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, amen, amen. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Again, there's no right or wrong way to do it. Whatever, basically, the, whatever position you're comfortable in, you can worship the Lord that way. That's praise and worship. Uh, bowing your head. Second Chronicles 29.30 talks about the fact that they bowed their head to the Lord. Lifting hands. We already talked about that. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. Abba, Papa, Father, I love you. Dancing. Psalm 149.3 says, Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with tambourine and harp. Now, I would like to get to the place in here where if you want to dance, you're comfortable dancing. We throw a hoe down here, man. You start dancing, right? <laughs> you're not going to walk into a barn someplace near here having a hoe down and stand like this, right? So, so if you feel like dancing, I want to encourage you to step in the aisles or maybe go to the back and dance because that's worship to the Lord. He gets excited when you get excited about him. So why wouldn't we? That's about the only time I dance. <laughs> I, I tried to, we tried to take some country dance lessons and let's go. No, I don't want to go. <laughs> Took some ballroom dance lessons. Let's go. No, I don't want to go. Worship the Lord. Let's go. <laughs> so I encourage you guys to step into that too. Uh, bottom line is worship is not a spectator sport, right? It's something that you have to get involved in. You have to, you have to physically get involved in, and give that sacrifice to the Lord. So whenever the opportunity comes, whether it's home and you're listening to Caleb or you're in your car driving from, you know, from house to work or from work to client, turn the radio on. Turn it on Caleb, turn it on some of, your own, some of your own favorite worship music and lift your voice to the Lord. It doesn't matter what other people think. They're all enwrapped in what they're doing anyhow. And hopefully they're not doing this. They're paying attention to the room. So that goes for you guys too. Um, take the time whenever you have time. If it's rough to make time for the Lord, we all have to drive for work to some point, some degree. Maybe it's five miles to work or whatever. That's five miles or 20 minutes when you can sit there and worship the Lord in your own private space. Um, let's see. Talk about lifting, dancing heads. Uh, so uh, there's a guy that I read a lot on a worship blog. His name is Tom Curley. And he cited the story of the widow's mite. And he said, people will judge the size of our God by the cost of our worship. And he goes on to talk about the fact that the tithe is part of our worship too. But my challenge to you is that what's the cost of your personal worship here? Is it, are you not worshiping because you're a little embarrassed about it? Be extravagant with your worship. Step out, do something different, something you may not have done before. Or maybe you, you used to be a hand raiser or you used to like to dance or whatever and it's been a long time. Try it again. I'm telling you, this is when God connects with you. 
there are many reasons we worship. We talked about the fact of surrender. I'm surrendering my life to you, God, when I worship. Um, it puts our focus on him. It takes our, our um, focus off of everything that's going on in our lives today. I'm sure uh, coming into church today, you're like, okay, well, it's Labor Day weekend, so I want to have the day off tomorrow and have fun, so today I got to do this and this and this and this and this. When you worship the Lord, it takes all that off of your mind and it makes your focus go on the Lord. Uh, it involves getting out of the way. So when we worship, we're getting out of the way and allowing the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do in our lives. You're stepping away and say, God, do what you want to do to me, through me, with me, getting out of the way. Uh, worship involves personal sacrifice. And again, if it's, if it's something that might be a struggle or a pride issue, personal sacrifice. Worship is personal sacrifice. So I encourage you, make a sacrifice. When we step off here today and we, and we start worshiping again, make a personal sacrifice. Worship uh, must happen in the face of pain and loss. Uh, it's important that in pain and loss we move toward God rather than away from him. Uh, David was a perfect example he showed us that we have to say, I feel so much pain, I'm in agony, but I'm going to go toward God because I need him now more than ever. One of the things that always stuck with me was um, our very first worship pastors at uh, Jubilee Fellowship Church were Mark and Cindy Smith. They have two great kids. Mallory was the older kid, and by the time she was 17 years old, she'd been on 17 different mission trips. She had a missionary's heart. She wanted to do that for her life. When she was 17, uh, Jubilee and a couple other uh, groups went down with victorious Christian harvesters outside of Monterey, Mexico. And uh, they were in a 15-passenger Ford van doing about 60 miles an hour in the loop outside of Monterey, and it's when the Firestone had all those bad tires. Well, the tire blew, and the van flipped like three and a half times. Um, everybody was injured in the incident, and three people passed away, and Mallory was one of them. Now, Mark and Cindy's response could have been anger. It could have been despair. It could have been... Why'd you let this happen? She was there serving you, right? But their response was to turn to God and worship him. In their sorrow and in their pain, they needed him the most right then and there. And that's when they turned to the Lord and worshiped. And I encourage you, if you're going through something, go to the Lord and worship, because he will minister to you there. Worship is celebrating who God is and what he has done, right? We all live in America. We can worship here freely without fear of persecution. We all have a home over our head. We all have transportation, whether that's Uber or our own car, we have so much more than 99% of the world has. We are blessed here. We need to recognize that and tell God, thank you for what you've done for us. Acts 16, 24 through 26 is a scripture that uh, Pastor Craig referenced last week. It's where Paul and Silas were singing in prison. And uh, they had just been beaten and flogged and were stripped naked because of talking about the gospel in public. They were hanging in a prison with chains. And I like to think kind of picture that in my mind, what would that look like? And you picture like, you know, a rock wall with, with rusty old chains, you know, nailed to the wall and they're, they're sitting there hanging on those chains and they're bleeding and they're, they're sweating and they've, you know, they're starting to clot and if they're in pain. And what's their response? Their response is to worship the Lord because they knew that he needed to minister to them. And what happened from that? They worshiped and not only the jailer, but the entire jailer's family came to know the Lord because of their worship in their pain. So again, it's a great opportunity for us to recognize what the Lord has done and to minister to other people through our worship. Um, <clears throat> for me, I'm not a, a perfect guy and I, nobody thinks I am, so I'm sure that's uh, I'm not, not shocked <laughs> to you guys. But uh, I was part of a church for a long time and uh, I wasn't the worship pastor, but I led worship there. 
and I, um, you know, I put together the song services, I, I, um, I rehearsed the bands, that kind of stuff. And kind of out of nowhere, I was asked to come into the worship pastor, and he says, we're going let to you, let you step down. We're asking you to step down. And my response could have been angry, like, how dare you? Don't you know what I do for this church? And blah, blah, blah. But I got a hold of myself, thankfully, and I said, no, that's not going to be your response. I grabbed Lucretia, and I grabbed some friends of ours, and we went and worshiped for a couple hours. That refocused me, and God was able to say, this is where I want you right now. You know, don't be angry. This is where I want you. If I hadn't gone in there and worshiped, and I would have stayed in my anger, probably would have had a different outcome. So uh, I want to open up the mic at this time for some testimonies. I want to ask, if you've got a, a time that worship mattered most to you, that got you through something, through a painful time, or, or what it means to you, uh, just to, to speak that out. So has anybody got anything they want to talk about as far as worship? Lonnie, can I give Lonnie the mic? Thank you. My, my son was deployed um, he, uh, in the Marines to the Battle of Fallujah when we invaded Iraq. And... I didn't know where he was. There was no communication. There was, uh, he's my only son, so, and I was a single mom. And every time the liar came into place and, and I became fearful and anxious, I would actually turn up Caleb so loud in my car I was driving because I was afraid to go home. And here's the reason why. I was afraid if I go home that there would be... Um, uh, a vehicle from the Marines to tell me something happened to my son. So rather than going home, I would just turn up the music and just listen to worship. And there, there were times that I couldn't pray and I couldn't do anything but listen to worship. And it really got me through that uh, four years, although I, I got more gray hair and lost a lot of weight <laughs> and, and everything else. But God is good. He's always faithful. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you, Ron. Anybody else have something? They want to share? Bob? They don't preach. I, I'm a little shy, so bear, bear with me. Bear with me. This, this has more to do with um, the opening scripture where it says, in everything you do, do it as unto the Lord. I remember it was about 12 years ago. I was new into ministry. I was still working a full-time job somewhere else. And it's actually when we were building this building, I would come over in the morning and kind of see what the construction stage was and then I'd come over lunch and I'd see what was going on then in the afternoon to check the progress and so I would keep doing that so I came in one morning and there was a gentleman his name was Rick Williams um, doing all the woodwork he did did the vast majority of the woodwork in the building at least the stuff that looks good that's what, you know, that's what he did but I remember coming in one one morning before work it was like 6 a.m. he was already here had his sawhorses set up and had some woodwork that he was doing, and he was sanding on this particular project that he was working on. Um, and I talked to him for a bit, and then I left. Came back at lunch. He was still on that same piece of wood. I went, man, that, that, looks, that looks fantastic. And he goes, oh, I'm not quite there yet. So I came back at the end of the day, okay, hours and hours later, okay, I came back, and he was still working on that same, he had a pile of sawdust, uh, like, you know, two feet deep, and I said, man, it looked, it looked great at lunchtime, I mean, it looks pretty good right now, and my mind is thinking, you need to move on, um, but in his, and he said this to me, and it impacts me to this day, he said, it's good enough, but it's not good enough for the Lord, and that's who I'm doing it for, and so every day, not really, literally not a day goes by, especially when I'm working on my own projects, that I don't think, it's good 
but it's not good enough for the Lord. And so just that act of pure worship, like everybody would have told him it's fine a long time ago, but it, in his mind, it was an act of worship to do that as unto the Lord, and it, that impacted me to this day. So it doesn't matter if you're in your workplace or wherever you are, whatever you're doing mm-hmm. can be worship unto the Lord. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <clears throat> Does anybody else have anything they'd like to share? Yes, ma'am. I'm one of those people that can't carry a tune in a bucket. Um, and, but, you know, everybody thinks they sound good when they're singing in the shower. And when I'm singing in church and people are surrounding me and I'm listening to them and I'm singing, it's like, I sound good. <laughs> that is good. That's very good. One of the things that's, that that's true about... Sorry is the fact that um, when we sing together, we're lifting one voice to the Lord. We're singing as one voice. So you do sound good. Yes, ma'am. Okay, this isn't my story, but it's someone else's, and it really touched me this morning, and I just couldn't help but spread the word. Um, This guy named Mike Ketterer, he is the father of six children, five of which are foster care. One is cerebral palsy, but all the circumstances in which he adopted them. Well, this guy happens to be singing on America's Got Talent. And he's not singing any songs, Christian songs on America's Got Talent. His life is an act of worship. His total life is an act of worship. And so I encourage you, if you haven't seen him, his name is Mike Ketterer. Anyway, so this guy gets Simon's golden buzzer. And it's not, I don't think, that he is the most talented person on America's Got Talent, but there is something because Simon kind of knows a little bit of his story, and Simon actually pressed him for the golden buzzer. And so he is, he is in the finals, I think. Um, but, and I knew this about him, and yesterday I was like, oh, I wish I could tell everybody in the world to vote for him. So everybody in the world vote <laughs> for him. Um, but the thing is, I, w- I went online today, and there, he's on YouTube, he has some worship songs. And there was one I just couldn't stop listening to, and it was called Spirit Lead Me. And half of my friends here in the church have that <laughs> video right now because I just texted it to him. But <laughs> I, he impact I mean, I really, he impacted my heart so that I'm like, God, I want my life to be living worship like that. I want to have a living testimony. I may not be able to sing, but I can live my life like that. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I hope that doesn't just go from my head, but that it goes to my heart and I actually become like his child, Michael Ketterling, (laughs) as far as my living testimony. Cool. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. One more? Yes. I'm from the old school, by the way, and everything you sang this morning, stuff I remember from way back when. But um, my heart is really touched when I get in that secret place every morning with my Lord. And there's an old song that says, shut in with God in a secret place. And when I do that, all my burdens just get lifted. 
The Lord just takes everything that my heart is feeling, whether it's tired of being an old woman or if it's um, situations in family or situations with some, some of my speci- special friends like that one up there. But if you just dwell with the Lord in the morning, let him open up Psalms to you. Let him open up. David praised the Lord in the Psalms, and they're so good. Psalm 91 says, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say unto my Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I will trust. And it's really true. If you haven't tried it, do. Amen. 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 You want to preach next weekend? Do you want to preach next weekend? (laughs) Thank you, everybody. We will overcome by the word of the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, right? So please hear my heart and please hear the people who just spoke hearts about worship and what it will do for you. We're going to close. And as we close, I'm going to issue a challenge to you and ask you to respond in a few different ways. Um, So you can make a commitment to Jesus that you'll bring the rest of your life into your praise habit. Put that praise habit on when you get in the morning. Starts with the first day. So when you get up tomorrow, take some time and spend it with the Lord. Put on your praise habit, and that centers you for the rest of the day. At least it does for me. Uh, The second way is to stretch yourself during worship. Don't worry about what other people might think. Uh, Be a leader for your family and the people in your row, people behind you. Try something different that you may not have done before that may not be uh, comfortable for you, but is a challenge for you, but it is is spiritual worship. So I'm going to challenge you to do that. Uh, ask Jesus what's keeping you from entering further into worship what's holding you back is it your pride what is it take that thing and pin it to the cross write it down and pin it to the cross most importantly ask Holy Spirit how he wants you to respond listen to him and do what he tells you to do so we're going to do something a little different here normally we go into a time of reflection we're going to go into some serious uh, praise right again but uh, I want to set the tone for you and I thought about trying this myself, but I, I, don't, I don't do it justice. So I want to introduce to you Steve Harvey, who's going to introduce to you the creator of the universe. Well, Ladies Steve, and gentlemen, it is my honor to introduce a man who needs no introduction. His credits are too long to list. He has done the impossible time after time. He hails out of a manger in Bethlehem, Jerusalem by way of heaven. His mother is still headlining in the Catholic Church today. His daddy is the author of a book that has been on the bestseller list since the beginning of time. He holds the record for the world's greatest fish fry. He fed 5,000 hungry souls with two fish, five loaves of bread. He can walk on water, turn water.
the wine. No special effects, no camera tricks. He has a headshot on every church fan across the country. Even before the kings of comedy, he was hailed the king of all kings, ruler of the universe, alpha and omega, beginning and the end, the bright and the morning star. Some say he's the Rose of Sharon, and some say he's the Prince of Peace. Get up on your feet. Put your hands together and show your love for the second coming of the one and only. So happy, no sorrow inside. 
time so uh, we're gonna do communion and again if uh, God tells you to do something please listen to him and do it whatever that is um, you know pinning something to the cross or, uh, if you want to light a candle for uh, something that you've been praying over whatever that is uh, taking communion as a family or again on the sides uh, just do what the Holy Spirit tells you to
you to stay around and worship with us, but if you uh, need to be dismissed, you can be dismissed.
worship you today. Sing along. 